Welcome back to another episode of Clear the Air, the Simply Stogie's Cigar Podcast After Show. I'm your host, Tim, and like mm. normal, oh. I bring back <laughs> Nick and James, your favorite cigar podcast host, back to the show. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, James uh, can't be here. And uh, I'm, I'm maybe with- start again. Start again. I'm sorry, Tim. What? I tried to smoke a cigar. You got to oh. start again. Okay. Um, I try to smoke a cigar. What happens when you put a cigar? Oh, right. It looks like <laughs> it's sticking my, it thinks I'm sticking my tongue out when I was trying to smoke my cigar. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm lighting it. It thought it was my tongue sticking out. Like I can stick out my tongue. <laughs> it, it really does all it, it. The cameras mimic everything. Yeah. Except I'm lighting my cigar now. Here it is. You can't see it. It's in my hand, right? Now, yeah. if I put it to my mouth, it looks like I'm sticking my tongue out. I don't really want to start over. This is gold. Are you serious? Uh, I can do All it right, again. So if I you can't want. smoke. I can. No, I mean, if you think it's. No, okay, it's, it's never good. mind. So I guess you can tell. Okay, go ahead. Then. Yeah, care. yeah, yeah. So, so James couldn't make it. Uh, he, unfortunately, uh, some stuff came up, a uh, conflict of schedule. He really wanted to be here. But I said, you know what? I think Nick and I can do this without you, James. So it's just me. We did it before. Nick. We've done it before. And this is the coolest thing ever. And I don't care if anybody ever gets upset about this, but you're virtual Nick. I am talking to virtual Nick. This is so cool. Well, it's not quite virtual, Nick. I, I, I'm sure, look, there's a lot of videos out there that are, you know, the Apple, if people are living under a rock and don't know that there's this very innovative, cool product. And yes, I drink the Apple Kool-Aid. I love all products, Apple. And of course, I had to buy the Apple Vision Pro. Um, it, it's worth seeing. It, it's, I, I mean, this, I could do a half hour, hour on just, how cool this product is, but we wanted to show people that are cigar smokers. We realized that you can't smoke a cigar while you're doing this because you think you're looking at my face. It looks like my face. It's, I guess people have described it as it looks like you're looking at a corpse of my face or a mannequin. No, it, even it, though- it almost, to me, it looks like a hologram on Star Trek or something like that. Well, it, it's it's pretty cool because what you do is you literally take a scan of your face with the headsets and it creates a 3D image of your face. And then there's cameras pointed to my face. So anything I do, like I want to raise my eyebrows, it sees it within the goggles there. If I open my stick my tongue out, any <laughs> anything you do. So what you're watching is not me. It's a facsimile of me. It is a digital image. So when you're doing FaceTime, you know, I've, I've been playing tricks on people all week, contacting them on FaceTime. And they're like, wait, you look different. What, what, what's different about you? If I don't tell them what it is, it's literally, yes, it's virtual me. So but you guys get to thing- see it in the cigar world. Yeah, the first thing we have to do is send a, a bug report up to Apple and say, hey, uh, this thing doesn't work well with smoking a cigar. Yeah, it, it really, <laughs> even though there's one of the first apps, 
there's not many apps that it came out with off the, uh, you know, from the launch, but one of the apps that it did have is the zoom app. And if people remember when the first iPhone came out, I mean, that was pretty exciting. And I was really pumped about it. I'm a tech guy. If people don't know my past life, I was in the audio video and computer world. So it's still continues to be a passion of mine. It's just that the cigars has kind of taken over first place. And I made that not only my hobby, my business, my vocation, my avocation, it's, it's become my life, but I still love tech. And, um, the iPhone, when it first came out, all it was, if people can remember back in 2007, when it was released, it was literally just a web browser, email, a phone, text message and an iPod. So you could put your music on, but there were no apps. The only apps that were on it were, uh, what, you know, they were like web apps. So it took like two generations until all the developers came in and started making apps for it. This device, I don't care. All there's a lot of haters out there and there's a lot of people saying, Oh, it's not this. And the battery life sucks. And they're always trying to pick the stuff. That's not good about it. I say, look, yeah. Is it worth the money? If you have the money to spend and you don't have to worry about anything else, like where your rent comes from or your mortgage or, or your car payment, and you have some discretionary funds that are not allocated for cigars, this is a cool way to spend literally $4,000 in a couple of years, guys, it'll be in five to 10 years. In 10 years, it will be $500, maybe sooner. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. If it's, if it's $3,500 for the base model now, next year, they're going to come out with a $2,000 model. The year after, $1,000, because it's going to go fast. But again, we don't want to make this all about this. We do want to talk about cigars. However, Absolutely. this device, now you can see, you can see my hand. It's not my real hand. It's my digital hand. And uh, <laughs> it is, it is, that's not my smile, though. Oh, it's not my smile. Well, and that's the really only thing. Smile, like, but... I think the picture quality is really good. The only thing that I'm noticing is that the, the voice isn't really matching the lips very well. But like you said, it's kind of a simulated thing. Yeah. And, and also, there might be some latency involved as well. Sure. You know, and underneath, do you see all those letters? I guess I was supposed to, do you see all that under my name there? No, under I, my, I don't. Oh, you don't see that? Nope, oh, okay. No. Because I see good. like, that was probably the password. All right. That's good. Okay. Let's, uh, do you want to do the whole thing in this, in this way? Or do you want to go? No, to no, way? go ahead. And let's, I, I want to talk to real Nick for a little bit. All right. So let's uh, cut this out. We'll pause momentarily, and uh, I'll be right back as Real Nick. All right, and we're back with the Real Nick, uh, and this episode is all—it's all about Lambert, the latest episode of Simply Stogie's podcast, and Doctor Stefan Lambert. So, Nick, uh, have, how how well do you know uh, Doctor Lambert? Because uh, I mean, it kind of sounded like you just might have ran into him at the factory. Well, that's exactly what happened. Um, I literally. I mean, I've known of him. I've, I've known he's been a customer of the factory for, for a while. Uh, he does use several different factories for his different lines. Um, but uh, we make some good stuff over there at uh, Tobacco's of Costa Rica. And uh, Lampert cigars are no different. 
I think they're good quality cigars. Um, you can't beat the construction, the quality, the the way that we process the tobacco at Tobacco's Costa Rica. It's um, the fermentation process is unique. There's a unique cigar. And if people haven't figured it out, that most of the customers that are uh, customers of Tobacco's of Costa Rica are international customers, meaning they generally, not that we're against American customers, but if you go just off the top of my head, you know, you got Dr. Lampert from Austria, you got uh, Castagli from, I think he's Estonia. You have mm -hmm. uh, Nelson Alfonso from Spain. Myself, I was overseas before I ever even decided to even try to come to the U.S. So uh, what people don't realize is Costa Rica has a much better reputation overseas as a tobacco producing country than uh, than Nicaragua ever did. Now, of course, things have changed. But initially, you know, when I first started in this business over a decade ago, when I would mention I'd be in France and I'd mention, well, my cigars are produced in in uh, Costa Rica, they'd be like, oh. But if you said, oh, they'd go, oh, what is that, another Dominican cigar? Or, oh, what is that, a Nicaraguan? I'm like, no, it's Costa Rican. It actually got more attention. And I think the main reason is that uh, the people involved with the factory have a Cuban palate because, again, if 90% of your uh, customers are, um, are, you know, foreigners, you know, meaning outside of the U.S., where 90% of cigars smoked up until the last few years were Cuban cigars, it would behoove you to make cigars that were similar that's why I tag the term, you know, with my cigar, at least the bridge cigar, meaning that it bridges the old school to the new world. And uh, Lampert cigars are also no different. I think, you know, he sells them successfully uh, in, I think he mentioned in the podcast, I think he's in 60 countries, which 30. is a feat. 30, 30, was it? Okay. Yep, it was 30, which that, I thought was pretty impressive. It, it is impressive. It's impressive because... If you realize how much work it is to import a cigar into a country, um, and in uh, Stefan's case, he was doing, you know, being an attorney, I think he was doing a lot of the paperwork himself, because the reality is some of these countries, the smaller countries, you know, it sounds really impressive and not to diminish or take away anything about being in these other countries. Uh, you know, it's a very small market. Remember, the U.S. is the largest market in the world. Uh, where they say, I don't know how true it is, but that 80% of the uh, world cigars are smoked in the U.S. So if the rest of the world represents 20 or 30%, you break that down, uh, you know, everybody wants to be in the U.K. market. And I go, yeah, U.K. is great, but, you know, they, they, they bring things in on the weight of the cigars. The taxes are just astronomical. And the market is not as big, nearly as big. So it's a lot of work. So it's the, the factor of cost versus what you're putting into it. And uh, with Stefan not having to worry about the legal aspect, because I mean, you'd spend a legal fortune, uh, like for instance, in Greece, this is the country of my birth. This is where I, you know, uh, you know, live for the first couple of years of my life. I'm not sold in Greece, not because I don't want to, not because they don't want to, because there's not an importer there. There's a couple of importers. One is, um, the importer that brings in the Cuban cigars, the Phoenicia guys, 
uh, and they bring in, I know Oliva's a brand, a big brand over there and some other names, yeah. but I can't find it. And I'm not going to spend the money that it, it, it's not even the money. It's the red tape, blue tape, whatever you want to call it. It's so much work to get something over. It's just like, I just don't have it in me to do it. Well, uh, you would brought love up to see two great points. You you brought up two great points because um, this was actually something that I was going to bring up is because, and I did not know that Dr. Lampert was a lawyer. You know, it kind of reminded me that, oh, just, you can get a PhD and be a doctor in something other than medicine. I was like, oh, I forgot about that. But I have to imagine that being a lawyer and knowing how to read law is going to save you a ton of money in the cigar industry, especially when you're going into all these different countries and trying to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's as, as important to be a lawyer. I mean, it doesn't hurt to have a law degree, no matter who you are, but in the U S other than having to defend yourself against lawsuits and things like that, and maybe some patent stuff. Um, what else do you really need a lawyer for in the cigar world in the U S however, right. the importation of these cigars into every other country requires, you know, basically knowing, understanding, and following all the particular rules that are unique to each different country that's, you know, uh, that that's involved in this. So every country is different. What you have to do in some of them, man, you got to jump through a lot of hoops to get into some of these countries. So I commend Stefan Lampert for doing that. And it, it's a great thing. I mean, 36... You know, I'm in half of the countries that he's in. Uh, and that, to be perfectly honest, I let most of the people do the work. You know, I'm like, listen, if you want them, you figure out how to get them in there. You want to do the work. You want to pay the fees by all means. You know, I mean, right. I started out in the Middle East and that's where my origins were. So I was there initially and that was kind of all done for me and then branched out from there. But Stefan, I think initially, I, I would assume, you know, Austria and then, he went around to uh, the other European countries, which much easier if you're producing out of or you're based out of Austria. And then he's gone from there. You know, he's in a bunch of uh, African nations as well. And, you know, he's uh, well represented. And in the last few years, he's uh, definitely made some some in-grounds, <coughs> inroads to, uh, you know, the U.S. as well. And I think it's still he's still scraping the uh, surface and with a good quality product and and he's generally a nice guy you know like i hit it off with he him is. initially um you know I, I'm, I'm a little bit of a of a ball buster you know when i first met him I'm like so what's the doctor for you know what i mean he's like well i'm, I'm a lawyer i go so you have a jd so because you have a jd you're, you're gonna call yourself doctor because jd is a you know a doctorate in in law and he's like no 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 i actually have my phd and it's in like solar or i don't know no, it wasn't solar. Some, it was, like he uh, said like it was like renewable energy or something energy like that. i think it's more on the uh the windmills and stuff so that's where his phd is from and um you know he's a relatively young guy and he's very passionate about cigars and uh he's a really nice guy so i'm glad i had the opportunity to meet him it, it's funny all the friends in this business and there's a lot of great people in this industry uh, and some friends that I've known for, you know, over 15 years in this industry, and I see them once a year, twice a year, because, you know, everybody's everywhere, but, you know, so you just kind of run. That's why we always talked about how the PCA is always a lot of fun to see people that you generally see once a year, twice a year. So, um, you know, it was great to run into them in Costa Rica and, 
And then from there, he was in Panama and then he moved on. I don't know where he is now, but, um, you know, he's got different distribution in the U.S. He's, uh, you know, I think you'll see a lot of great things in the future. And he's got some great cigars coming out as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was actually going to ask you because he's got the uh, Limitada, I believe, is what is coming out of uh, Factory de Costa Rica. Uh, Tobacos. Tobacos. Tobacos de Costa Rica. Rica. Have you gotten a chance to sample the new new line? I smoked. I don't think it was his new cigar, to be perfectly honest. I I didn't want to impose. The one thing the factory is very good on, and most factories are like this, uh, just because they produce different lines doesn't mean that they share them. You know, when you blend a cigar, you have a cigar blended for you. Um, that's your blend. And they will not, you know, because ethically and just uh, yeah, there's been people I've been told many times that people that know my cigar in the U.S. can't find it. They'll go they'll find the the factory and go, hey, I'd like to buy some L.H. cigars. You know, can I can I buy some? And they will not sell them LH cigars unless they talk to me or I say, yeah, go ahead, sell them the cigars. Uh, and the same thing for, you know, Lampert or any of the other brands that we make. If somebody shows up at the factory and says, hey, I heard you guys make the Lampert cigar. Will you sell me some? The answer is no, unless, you know, Dr. Lampert says, yeah, go ahead, sell them. Uh, so they're very protective of the brands, of the blends. So I didn't ask uh, and uh, I forgot to, no, I didn't. The answer is, is no. That's, <laughs> the the, the, the long-winded answer, answer is yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't, but yeah. I'm sure it's very good. Sure Which cigar good. did you did you get to smoke? Do you remember? I don't. You put oh. me on the spot. No, I and I don't that. mean to do that at all. Um, I'm actually, uh, it's not breakfast time. Uh, I am smoking the uh, Don Patron. Uh, this is one of my favorites. I actually, I, I really do like everything that Lampert has made. And I remember because when James was talking about 2021 in the trade show, and when we met uh, Dr. Lampert, he was just the nicest guy. Um, he graciously gave us a few cigars to smoke and they were, they, they were great. I fell in love with them. I, I always keep a, a box in my humidor and I'm still on a 20 count box. I'm almost done. And I've heard the rumors that he's going to go to 10 count boxes. And, well, and I, uh, most I like of the, the industry idea. is going, look, most of the industry is going that way because as cigars become more and more expensive, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a lot to ask somebody to buy 20 of a, of a, or 25 and 10 is a little bit more palatable and easier to, to do, or five packs have become popular, but uh, he's on the, uh, the trend correctly. I would, I would say where a lot of these brands are making 10 count boxes to make it just a more palatable purchase at uh, at the register. Well, yeah, you know? not only that, but 10 cigars is going to take up a lot less uh, room in your humidor than 20. So you've got the space saving benefit to it as well. I, I like the idea. I wish that some of the other uh, cigars that I like, I wish they would do 10 count packaging, 10, 10 count boxes. Well, if... Our uh, our listeners, viewers, um, don't know how easy it is to properly store and humidify a cigar today. I mean, it looks beautiful in a nice, you know, heirloom humidor, good wood, you know, properly sealed. But the reality yeah. is, if you have a, uh, a Tupperware, or if you want to store a lot, you know, one of those big igloo style. Um, you know, what do you call those? The, the, the coolers. 
coolers, the big coolers. Yeah. yeah. You could make a, 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 you take one of those, you put ample, you know, uh, the humidity packs in there, you know, the bovidus uh, in there to properly keep it. And it, once that seals, they're good. Yeah. It's not as pretty looking as being a nice humidor, a desktop, or even a, a cabinet, you know, humidor. But if you just for simply storing cigars, those coolers are, are great for that. So yeah, no, they've done it, Tim, buy more cigars, store them in a, in a cooler. So go. I don't know if you know this or not, but I am a Coolador guy. Oh, uh, you are? Yeah. I did not so know that. I no. have two uh, 52-quart uh, igloo coolers, and I buy them when they're on sale. I bring them home. I, I clean them out with soap and water, let them air out. Um, I put some – I break some cedar out of cigar boxes, throw that in there, throw a couple 320 Bovettas in there, let that sit for a couple days, put your cigars in there. And you don't even have to worry about it. You have to worry about temperature uh, here in the Midwest more than you're going to have to worry about humidity. They work great, but you're right. But, you they're know, not pretty. Temperature, temperature, as long as it doesn't get super hot, you know, once the cigar, I mean, as we know, the ideal temperature is around 70 degrees Fahrenheit or, or 20 uh, Celsius. But, you know, you can go a little bit, more as long as you don't go too much more and you can go lower now for storing for proper aging actually lower is considered better you know um mm -hmm. so and what's great about the humid the humidification now now with the now with the with the bovidas they're set whatever that's set as that's what you're going to get but what i used to do is there's a sliding scale so if you had the other ones where if the humidity was higher the temperature could be lower. So you kind of adjust it in that way, you know? So like if okay. your temperature technically is 65, you know, you're, you're um, if the temperature is 65, you could make the humidity be a little bit more, not too much more because you don't want too much humidity in a cigar because uh, it just won't smoke right, you know, but right. you can slide. There's a sliding scale there. Yeah, I think I try to keep uh, my cigars right around 65, 65, and, and it fluctuates a little bit, just depends on how many uh, times you're opening and closing the lid. And then I, I seem to have better luck if I keep my cooler doors down in the basement below ground level. Uh, it just stays cooler. I used to keep sure. them upstairs, but you know, uh, in the summer here, uh, the upstairs gets nice and warm. So I got tired of bringing them up and down the stairs throw them in the basement. They sit there. They're great. They're, they're Absolutely. amazing. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I, I like the fancy, uh, wine adores. I like the fancy desktop humidors. I've always had trouble with them. Throw them in a cooler door. I've never had to worry about it. It's just kind of a set and a forget thing. What kind of humidor do you use at your house? Well, I've had every humidor known to, I'm a gadget, I'm a gadget guy that comes from my, uh, you know, electronics days. I've had every, some of my favorite humidors that I bought back in the nineties, uh, some of the larger desktop ones. I bought a beautiful desktop humidor from Murano, Italy that has the inlays of a cigar in there. And that's probably my favorite one. The, the, uh, laminate or not the laminate, like the, the, whatever they put over that, uh, clear coat. It's starting to yellow, you know, but after 30, 40 years, and you know, that oh, could sure. probably be taken off and redone, but it's still my favorite one. I have a large, uh, one of those five foot or six foot uh, electronic ones 
you know um so yeah like the uh, like the winadors or or is it an actual humidor? no no it's an it's... actual actual humidor um they're made in in china and they're not too unreasonable considering you could probably get those around two thousand bucks but you know they have the humidification built in and the temperature control and you just set it and uh, you could store a lot of cigars for most consumer uh people that there's plenty of cigars in a six foot cabinet style you could buy the big furniture style cabinet things too and, and get a um they sell these units that uh you can put in there for humidification that are uh, that are wonderful as well yeah i i've always looked uh when i go you know like the i want to say uh it, it's like the, the place around here is called the picker nose. It's kind of one of those uh, picker stores where people picker nose, the, the picker nose K N O W S. Uh, and it's, it's a store that people can bring in their antiques and you can go just shopping. And so every once in a while, you'll get a nice big piece of like really nice furniture, you know, and I'm like, man, that would be awesome to, to convert into a humidor. Yeah. But by the time you spend the money to buy it, by the time you get it home, making sure it's got a good seal on it, making sure that you got humidity. I'm like, that's just too much work. I'm going to stick with the, the simple cooler. Yeah, you know, you, you remind me, I went to an antique store once and I think every antique store has at least two or three humidors that you can find and pick up for a song. I saw some old Dunhills uh, and some stuff that were really, really inexpensive. I, I need another humidor like I need a, you know, hole in my head. So I, <laughs> right, call, I right. called some I called some friends and I'm like, hey, you want to pick up a nice little desktop humidor? That's just a, a, something that literally you can hand down from generation to generation. Antique stores, secondhand stores, you'll find them. Uh, they're out there. Yeah, yeah. I Around here, it's more like empty cigar boxes, ashtrays, that kind of stuff. And I, I need more ashtrays, like, you know, but... It yeah. is what it well, is. The so, oh, of, of a cigar. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, a little bit on the episode, uh, you and, and, and Dr. Lampert and James uh, talked about um, an article uh, that Half Wheel put out just announcing uh, the new cigar, the Limitada. Mm -hmm. And that's something that here in the next month, is going to be at the PCA trade show. And it got me thinking, is it, when I go to the PCA trade show, I know that we're there, we're, we're doing interviews, we're covering the new product, but a little bit of me wants to be introduced to the new product at the trade show compared to, oh, I already know that this person's got this. I already know that this person's got that. And I was just kind of interested in what your thoughts were about all of the new products being announced before the trade show. Well, I think it's a good idea for retailers to have an idea where, so they can navigate, you know, cause you only have X amount of time days on the floor. So if something catches your eye attention, you want to put that down on your little scratch sheet and say, I want to make a point of visiting the Lampert booth and, uh, and, and, and visiting there. And I, I believe that uh lampert cigars are part of the bca so while you're there you can hit the other ones that are in the in the spot 
And that's a good point. Cause I didn't even, you know, I wasn't thinking about it from the retailer's mindset of, yeah, you're right. I've only got X amount of time. There's all these things on the floor. This is what I want to hit. This is what I want to get. This is what I want to look at. So. I mean, most people, most brands, most companies uh, will announce cigars that uh, at the trade shows, you know, cause it's where the retailers show and they can, uh, either try them or, or grab a sample and figure out what they're going to do the rest of the year. So, you know, it's a great opportunity and the news should come out, you know, weeks, months before. So people know that, Hey, this guy's got a new stick coming out or this guy's got a new line or whatever. So I think it's a great idea. Is there anybody at the PCA trade show? And I know we're kind of jumping all over the place, but you know, James isn't here to voice his opinions, which is kind of nice. It's kind of quiet this episode. Uh, but is there is is there anything in particular? That's because he busts your chops all the time. That's does. all he does. He, he does. likes to do I'm, that. He I'm does. trying to get it's a all, few. It's all in love, though. It's all in love. It I'm is. Sure, you know? it, it is. I was going to try to yeah. bust his chops, but I'm like, eh, he's not here to defend himself. Yeah. But, well, you know, listen, you know, uh, you're, you're a very integral part of the podcast. And I know James <laughs> would be rolling his eyes me saying it, but the amount of work you do behind the scenes is it's a lot of work. I mean, for both of you guys, I, I mean, honestly, I do the least amount of work and I, and I'm not afraid to say because. Well, it'd be, when, it would be uh, you and then Randy and then Eric. Oh, okay. Well, I just show up. I'm, I'm the, uh, <laughs> you know, I just show up and uh, talk cigars. And that was what interested me because, you know, I love talking about cigars, whether it's in a cigar shop with, uh, you know, fans, consumers, or people of like mind interests, which are cigars. So uh, a podcast is just another extension of that. And, uh, you know, meeting and talking to people. Uh, I, I love this industry. And I think cigar smokers, it's a very bonding social um, experiment that um, I think everyone should smoke cigars or at least be around cigar smokers. You must really love cigars because you put up with me, you put up with James, you put up with all this. I mean, like you've said a hundred times, uh, oh yeah, once once or twice a month. And next thing you know, it's every week, 12 months a year. <laughs> but you know what? I had a feeling because when I was doing the simply, uh, not the, the uh, smooth draw show, that was initially, I was doing a seven minute segment for the show. And then I became the co-host and then it's like, okay. And then more and more stuff would be put on my plate and inevitably there's just a lot of work. And the only way, to, okay, that was a paid thing, but in the podcast world, especially in our little world of simply stogies, I mean, we don't make money at this, so we're doing it. It's all a labor of love. So you have to be fairly passionate about something to do it over and over um, for no pay. You know, and, uh, you know, fortunately, James is in a position to be able to do that. And you and I are able to do it, uh, you know, after our full time jobs. Uh, but <laughs> I think the 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 uh, the value, the production value and the content, uh, hopefully, um, well, the, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, the podcast has been around for five years and it's growing exponentially. And uh, I think it will continue to grow. Yeah, I love the fact, I mean, growing is a great thing, um, but I think especially over the past two years, uh, the guests that we have on the show just astonish me. I I'm really excited. Almost every single episode, 
especially when, and I didn't know because I think when Dr. Lampert was a last minute thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I was at the, at the factory and I said to, to James, Hey, you know, uh, Stefan Lampert's here. And like, you want me to do a podcast from here? And he's like, Holy Christ, I've been trying to catch up with him. Uh, that would be great. So he was like, sure, let's do it. So uh, it was opportune time to do it and get it in. Yeah, because I found out after it was recorded, uh, James uploaded the episode to me, and he's like, hey, uh, we're going to rearrange some things uh, going into the PCA trade show. Uh, you got to do a CTA for uh, Lampert, uh, Dr. Lampert, Lampert Cigars. I'm like, what? Because we have, he's one of, uh, one of several of uh, the, the players that we have tried to hunt down every PCA trade show. And, and he's hard to get a hold of. And in 2021, yeah, I don't think his English was very good, but he sounded great on the episode. I think his English was pretty good. And the fact that he doesn't live in the States makes it a lot harder to get a hold of, of course. So the best time is at the trade show. But, you know, we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off. And, you know, it's like preparing for the marathon. You know, when you go mm -hmm. there, I'm like, oh, God. I mean, my schedule, I mean... I mean, this, I don't know what date this is going to air, but by the end of the week, I'll be over in Cuba, you know, for the Habanos Festival, which we'll do an episode about that. Brooks uh, from Half Wheel and I will talk about our uh, experience this year at the 2024 Habanos Festival. That'll be interesting. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, so that's a week of, as much as it's fun, and we do a lot of socializing, meeting people from all over the world. It's it's work. It is work too. I mean, it's 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 a grind. The trade show, whether you're a uh, you know an exhibitor, even a retailer is running around. I mean, the steps you're putting in to hit everybody, and the media is no different. We're running around all day, all night. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, and we're also carrying around a lot of equipment, pushing cameras around. So you got that weight on top of that. Uh, we do the live shows from the trade show um we do the before and after updates so one in the like a live in the morning a live in the evening plus we have all the editing to do it is a lot of work and i think this year which i'm i don't know if uh if i'm ready for this but i guess this year i'm gonna have a camera and i'm gonna also be in charge of running around and talking to people instead of being behind the camera like i have been since 2021 so I don't know, a little nervous about that. I'm sure you'll do fine. <laughs> yeah, you'll be fine. We'll see. That's we'll coming see up which... soon. It's a little more. It's about a month away, right? It it is about a month away. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy, and uh, it, it's a different venue. It's uh, it's a whole different schedule. I think uh, James is even going to be there a week or, or not a week, uh, a day earlier than everybody else. I think you and I arrive pretty close to the same time. Yeah, Friday. Yeah, I so come in on Friday morning. Yep, I do as well. So uh, I'll probably. I think I get in before you. I'll probably end up uh, sitting around, hanging out, waiting for you to get in. What time do you get in? Uh, I want to say it's like eight thirty, eight forty-five oh, in the morning. That's that is early. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I so, mean, I, I leave at the crack of dawn from from New Jersey. I think my flight leaves at like five in the morning or something insane, but I get in about 11. So, so it's a long flight, you know? Yeah. It's, it's the West. Yeah, 
yeah, it's only an hour and a half. It's a 90 minute flight nonstop. Uh, plus you cross the time zone. So it's really like a 35, 30 to 45 minute flight. Yeah. If you, if you account into that. So is there anything that uh, in particular at the PCA trade show that you're the, the coming up trade show that you're ex- particularly excited about? Uh, for me, it's all about seeing everyone again. And this, this time, instead of it being 12 months later, it's nine months later, but um, yeah, you know, seeing all my friends, seeing all the people, seeing the new stuff, you know, it's like, uh, it's like unleashing a kid in a candy store, you know, mm-hmm. and, and getting to see everybody and trying all the new stuff. It's, it's fun, you know, and, and being able to report back to the consumers because, you know, they're, it's not a consumer show. Uh, the, you know, the big smoke and some other localized uh, shows like the Kentucky Perf that you can attend. Right. Um, right. To do that kind of thing, meet, meet the players, you know, and all that. But this is really not a consumer show, so we get to report about it and tell everybody, and they can live vicariously through the the, the so-called media. The so yeah. <laughs> well, we do our best. Um, I mean, for for the size of the team that we have and the the the, um, the sheer size of the trade show, we try to hit as much as we can, and I think that's that's the grind. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, so Dr. Lampert, he made his cigar for himself originally and people liked it. Was that something that you did with LH? Did you make that for yourself or was, was LH like, I'm, I'm in this business. Here's my passion. I want to share it. No, actually I had lounges in the middle East that I was involved with where the name LH comes from the Labita mm-hmm. Havana lounges. So the clientele of those lounges smoked. Cuban cigars, 100%. Right. And it was my job uh, to basically procure, you know, the cigars for the private clientele and, you know, the customers. And remember, the lounges were based in Saudi Arabia and then in Beirut, Lebanon. Um, And then it was just by chance that I tried to make a cigar that was, you know, similar to a Cuban or had the essence of a Cuban cigar. But different because what I found is a lot of the clients there were asking for, hey, I love this particular cigar, whether it's a Cohiba Monte Cristo, but I wish it was a little more this, or I wish it was a little bit more that. So initially, uh, I would go to the master blenders in Cuba, and basically, I knew what my customers were looking for, so I was trying to get them, and then that's how I went on my path of becoming a blender myself. It was a lot easier, and I found out that you know, that's something that I'm good at, uh, being able to match a particular, you know, flavor profile to, to a customer. And, um, again, all the cigars I make, people ask me, what are your favorite cigars? I go, they're all my children, but you know, you all have your (laughs) favorite, but, but it's, but it's always, for me, it's an, like, I go through it. Like sometimes I'm into smoking just the Nick Toro other times, like in the morning, I love the, uh, you know, the Claro, um, with a coffee. It's fantastic. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, uh, I didn't make a cigar specifically. I know that's what he said on the show and that's how he got into it by handing out his cigars. Um, and that's how he got in the business. Uh, I had a retail, you know, establishment that I was, you know, a part of that, uh, I was just trying to fill a need and, um, that's how my journey went. So a little different, but do you see a lot of, 
Yeah. Do you see a lot of people uh, that I can't imagine there's a lot of people that just say, hey, I like to smoke cigars. I want to make a cigar for me. And, and that's that's it. They just they just continually buy their cigar that they picked out of a book or maybe they blended. However, they chose that cigar. Do you see that I often? Think, or? I, I think there are some people that are like that. If you have the financial means to be able to to produce a run for yourself and say, well, you know, inevitably, if you're handing them out to your friends, they like them. They might, you know, maybe a lot of people never thought of it as a business and then it became one. Maybe that's the case with uh, with Dr. Lampert, you know, like I think he was yeah. making cigars for himself and then his friend said, hey, these are really good. Can we get some? So. Maybe that's how his production, you know, got larger and larger and, and, uh, he got in the business, you know, yeah, it's, I, it's yeah. a fun business. It's a, it's a hard business. Uh, as we know, it's a very congested, uh, there's a lot of different and, and in today's day and age, you know, what? Uh, they're all good. You know, all the cigars, you know, there may be a cigar that you may not like, and there's some cigars that I can't believe are being sold out there. Uh, but yet there's somebody that's buying them. So, sure. you know, there's, there's something goes to show you there's something for everybody. So yeah, the more variety, the more choices for consumers and, and uh, the, the, ultimately the, the smokers, the, the aficionados are the ones that win because they get to try all kinds of cigars from all different countries and all different blends. And, and there's no shortage of uh, new cigars as well as trusted cigars that you like. So it's a great time to be a cigar smoker or, it get is. Into the, or to get into it. And you guys during the show also talked about the, you know, how easy it is to forget about a cigar because we're always going after the new, new. And especially I feel for us being in media, we're always what's new where we want to try it. And then when this episode came out, I'm like, I think I still have Lampert in my humidor which is also a struggle of having so many cigars. You forget what you have sometimes. Or yeah. do you have, you have you know, one of those on a, fancy apps that tracks everything. I, I just have this feeling. I used to, I, yeah. I used to do all that. Yeah. Most of the apps have, you know, gone off the, uh, off the, there used to be so many apps that you could download on the iPhone. And of course, most of them now have been all removed. Uh, so the best you can right. have is really like a web app version of it. Um, my, as a manufacturer, uh, not as much as a consumer, but as a manufacturer, it kind of drives me crazy how this whole industry is driven by what's new, what's new. Everybody wants the new stuff. And the first couple of years, you know, I literally had three blends with a couple of Vitolas, three or four different Vitolas in each line. And people are like, what else you got? I'm like, well, well, smoke these first, you know, well, I, I, I just didn't understand why I had to constantly come out with a new cigar. And now I realize it. it's all about marketing and it's all about, you know, it, it does create somewhat of an urgency. And since I kind of joined in with everybody else making new cigars regularly, it does get people to remember the old cigars as well. So it's a boost for stuff that you have in your catalog as well as smoking the new stuff. But I think the key is if you're a cigar smoker, find the ones you like, and they can be in your regular rotation and the ones that you prefer. And you basically start to understand your own palate as far as what you like. And it can vary. You know, it doesn't all have to be medium. It doesn't all have to be, you know, the mild. But, you know, you and you venture out here and there. And then you just keep trying the new stuff or the new brands you never heard of. And, and then you never know. They may become my, – my favorite line is 
the next cigar you smoke that you never heard of could be your next favorite cigar. So it's good to try new stuff, but also, you know, you have your go-tos. And I think that's how most, you know, cigar smokers are. They have their go-tos and they're always adding one and you never know. They stumble upon a new line, a new cigar, a new blend that becomes their next favorite best cigar in their humidor. Yeah, I have, I think probably... I would say three or four cigars that are on my regular rotation and two of them uh, I have to drive two hours to be able, well, one of them I have to drive two hours to go get uh, the other one. I will soon be able to drive two hours to go get. Uh, and then the, uh, the other two uh, there, you can buy those anywhere. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, but, you, uh, but you know, don't, re don't forget to remind people you live in the middle of nowhere where the closest cigar shop is two hours away, or I don't know if that's true or not, but they're not readily available in your neck of the woods. I would say right. cigar shops. Yeah. That is. I mean, we have cigar shops that are much, much closer, uh, but it's what they carry. Uh, and right. you know, if, if what I'm looking for is two hours away, uh, then I'll make the trip. Because that's really hard to do when you live out in the middle of nowhere and you want to support brick and mortar stores. You know, don't get me wrong. I like saving money online, but the brick and mortar store is important because that gives me a place that I can go hang out with people and, and smoke cigars and get the hell out of the house for a while. Yeah. Uh, and I think what people don't realize, a lot of cigar smokers, I would imagine, are purchasing their bulk purchases online to save money if it only be the tax, depending on their individual state, you know, taxes that can be as much as 75% in New York state to Jersey, which is 30%. And there's stuff that, you know, some are only like in Texas, it's only a penny a stick, some cap it at 50 cents. Um, so you're saving that money. And I understand that people are always looking to save money because then they can smoke more cigars. But don't forget that the reason why this business exists and why it flourishes is because people have spent time, effort, and money into opening up a shop to let people try a lot of these new cigars and get to, so you should always support your local brick and mortars. And even the, the good cigar clubs that exist out there, they, they appreciate the brick and mortars and they're not trying to cut out the brick and mortars. A lot of these clubs are just trying to introduce these cigar smokers you know, to these uh, new cigars. And I was just having a conversation with one of those clubs this week and they were like, you know, we love the brick and mortars and, and we try to incorporate them and we just trying to get into their hands at a, at a discounted price, these cigars that they normally would never have purchased. And that's another way to, uh, to get into it. I remember when I started my journey in cigars in the nineties, uh, the first cigar club that was out there, it was so cool. It was that guy, Bill Rancic, from uh, the the um, the the apprentice Trump's apprentice show, so oh, the yeah, first yeah, okay. guy, the guy that won that the first year that won that contest, his business was a cigar club. I forgot what the name of it was, but it was kind of cool. You know, you'd get a little card, and in the card it would have all your descriptors and little background, and so it was almost like you know back in the day where you would have all your cards, you could put them in a filing cabinet, and when you could take your notes and. They have these great books. Uh, what do they call them? Like cigar uh, folios like, where you could fill yeah, like in journals. Yeah. Like journals. You could put your, you can add, so there's a place they even attach the the band to it. I mean, these are people that are diehards and it's like, oh yeah, I smoked that. They can go back. And on this day, 
And remember, when you're smoking a cigar, what time you're smoking it, what you've eaten, where you're smoking it, who you're smoking it with, all are factors in how you're going to enjoy that cigar. So, you know, if you're in a good mood, a bad mood, in a celebratory mood, in a depressed mood, you know, cigar will taste different according to your own mood and all those other factors. So it's always best to try multiple, especially if there's something that you like. Um, so yeah, those, those little books are great to have. And, um, those cigar clubs, I think are great, you know, to get people to try different things at, at a, at a reduced price. So they're all factors. Like, I like this, the idea of the cigar journal, but that's always been my issue with them is for me. And you just said it perfect. I, I, I don't want to repeat it, but your mood, what you ate, you know, who you're hanging out with, where you're at, the environment, all those things play in. Oh, so you're repeating much, it anyway. Uh, yeah, you're, you're, I am. Yeah. <laughs> but all those things do play into how much I'm going to enjoy that cigar. You know, you smoke Absolutely. it, you smoke it in one environment on day one, four days later, you smoke it in a completely different environment. It could possibly be a completely different cigar for that reason. I got like yeah, two your more. Perception. Yeah. Yeah. I got like two more things here and then we'll wrap up and get out of here because I do have to edit this. Uh, This show, you you asked earlier, uh, this show actually comes out Thursday. So I got to between tonight and tomorrow, I got to get this. Oh, okay. And it's going to be even more fun with the, uh, the Apple vision uh, little thing in the front. So, which is again, so cool. Well, listen, I, I suggested that, you know, when I first got the, that uh, headset, that device, I thought, you know, okay, maybe it's a little gimmicky, but at the same time, I would think that why not? You know, cigar smokers, there could be some gadget guys out there that would want to see. I thought it was cool enough to actually put out there just so people can get an idea of what it what it does. So, hey, you know, something different. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not the guy that can justify the price tag on on the device because I, I drink the apple juice too. Uh, I just can't justify that price. So for me, it was exciting to actually see it uh, work in real life. So it, uh, it's cool. Well, listen, most people, I, I can I justify the price? No, I, I think it's ridiculously expensive, but I understand the costs involved and to put out a first generation product like that. And yeah. because I'm such a gadget, you know, crazy that when people ask me is it worth the money and i'm like eh. I, I can't say it's worth the money but i think it's it's uh it's a cool product you know? you're you're a tech guy tech guys i'm a tech like, guy i i Appreciate do it too i'm you know uh when the raspberry pi was the hot thing i was single board computing i was all over it i wanted to, i wanted to know what i could do with this thing it, it's cool uh so i thought it was really interesting because um it was brought up and I'm trying to actually find it in my notes, but um, it, it was, it's about how you get into the industry. People get into the industry and they're And the question is, uh, do you ever want to be the next uh, big guy, the next Pete Johnson and all that other stuff. And everybody's like, ah, no, no, no. And you were like, without missing a beat bullshit. And I laughed when you did that, because I think that if you're going to get into it, you're getting into it to make money. Does it, it doesn't make sense to me to get into the cigar industry to not make money. Any business that you get into, you obviously want to make a profit and make as much as you can. So yeah, if you tell somebody, no, I don't want to be the next uh, you know, top boutique brand, who's going to say no to it? 
you know, right. but what happens, especially in, in my case, having done it for so long, I'm content in what I do. I still enjoy what I do. I put food on the table and I'm just happy and feel blessed to be able to make money doing something that I enjoy, you know, and that to me really is a great thing to be able to do. But the reality is my whole life, I've always done it. You know, whatever business I enjoyed, I made, you know, hobby, I should say I enjoyed, I made it my business and then I made money at it, you know, and entrepreneurs will make money, they'll lose money. I've had some big hills and valleys along the way, but, you know, I wouldn't change, uh, you know, a date of it, but it's not for everybody. You know, a lot of people right. like the security of having, knowing X amount of dollars is going to be in your paycheck come that Friday. And I understand that, you know, people have families, they have, you know, obligations and, and it takes a lot to be an entrepreneur. That's why a lot of people that get into the cigar business initially, you know, do it as like a side gig or something. And hopefully it, it takes off, but the, the 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 thing is if you like what you do or whatever your hobby may be why not you know what a lot of people mistakenly do is they want to make it their like a shrine to them it's all about if you're going to do it for egotistical reasons if you don't let's just let me let me back step that okay if you get into this business for the wrong reasons eventually you're bound to fail because it's the wrong reasons but if you're doing it for the right reasons and you want to be in this business because you generally enjoy you know and for me it is you know would i love to be in every single cigar shop in the world absolutely everybody would and not because yeah would it make me a hell of a lot more money absolutely but for me and i know it sounds corny but when you can give the labors of your passion your love of what you do and other people enjoy that there's nothing like that. You know, when I see somebody that's smoking my cigar, somebody comes up to me and says, Hey, Nick, I love this XYZ cigar that you made. And I'm sure that's true for any cigar maker out there in whatever capacity. When people are enjoying your product, that's it. That's all the validation you need. And the money is just gravy. Right. But if somebody came up and said, Hey, I have the ability to double or triple what you're currently doing right now do you say no, i'm comfortable I, I like where i'm at or do you say yeah i could do that it, it, well you know if a lot of people can say they can do that the reality is having the right partners not only retail partners uh brokers and people in the business who you do business with to me is just as important as where you do business and how you do business. So if somebody says they can triple my business, I'm not going to say, no, I don't want, I don't want three times the money I'm making now. No, sir. Go away. I'm comfortable. <laughs> no, I, I'm comfortable, but sure. You know, who in their right mind is going to say, no, I don't want to triple my business, but you know, you take everything with a grain of salt. It's not, there, there's certain sacrifices you have to make. I mean, you got people that, you know, pave the way for non- Cuban, non-Latin people before in the 90s, if you weren't Cuban or at least Latin, they looked at you like, you can't make cigars. You're a gringo. You know, what, what do you know about cigars? Right, right. And you got a guy like Rocky Patel, and he's one of the biggest, not only biggest players, biggest producers of cigars, but, you know, from an Indian heritage, he was the extreme opposite of what, you know, a, a Cuban was. But yet he broke you know, the, the, he broke, broke it in for, for a lot of other people. And it wasn't luck. It wasn't because initially, especially his cigars were anything 
super great. In fact, his first batch, he was the first one to say, yeah, you know, he was just selling cigars, but he was selling himself. Yeah. And that's ultimately what you have to do is you have to sell yourself, your passion, your beliefs, and people, if they like you, they'll smoke your cigars. If they don't like you, they're not going to smoke your cigars. And and it, and it happens. I, it happens to me all the time. If I particularly don't like a particular blender or something about that, I tend to not maybe grab that stick. And that's the reality. You know, if you like the people, Rocky put so much time. He was on the road 300 days a year for years hitting shops. He put in the work. It's a lot right, of work. Right. He did it. He did it the old school way. Now we have social media and we have all this other stuff. Yeah, you could throw a lot of money in, in, in marketing and that will accelerate the process as well. But for the long term to really make it, you got to it's a people to people business. You got to know your retailers. You got to know your customers. And that's what's going to ultimately keep your cigar to survive, because, you know, as we know, there's I don't know how many new brands come out every year, but. I don't know what the statistic or the percentage is, but a lot of them don't make it to year five and either because they've given up because it costs so much and they're realizing, God, this is just, I love it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I got to make some money, you know, so a lot of them get out of it, you know, uh, and if you can do that and continue to do what you love to do, or they decide they don't love cigars as much as they thought or whatever the reason is. But yeah, there's, it's, it's a tough business, no matter how you slice it and dice it. Yeah, and that's what I've always known about Rocky Patel is he's one of the hardest working people in the industry, and and he had to grind to get to where he is. So I I respect that. Uh, I, I don't know yeah, if I'd want absolutely. to put in that much effort. And most people don't, and that's why most people will never be as successful as Rocky Patel. It's a choice, you know. It's like, do you want to do that? Can you do that? You know, Rocky was a single guy that lived on the road. If you have a family. You know, there's a lot to be said. I mean, you know, my, you know, my wife has been very understanding because you do have to right. spend a lot of time away from home. Um, but she always allowed me, no matter what business I did, to because she knows that is ultimately my happiness, not the making money part, but being successful because that's a validation that you're of your hard work, and that's what it should be. You know, one of the, this is the last thing that I'll ask you about is, you know, when we're talking and we've done it so many episodes now where we've talked about how the prices of cigars are just going to keep going up and up and the, the price of the $10 cigar is gone. Um, and, and what Dr. Lampert wanted to do or wants to do is keep all of his cigars at a fair value and doesn't see his prices going up. But in my mind, I'm thinking that the industry is going to make his prices increase, not not because yes. he wants to. You would agree they, with they, that. They will. Yeah, absolutely. They are incrementally going to get more expensive. You know, look at life in general today. In the last couple of years, the inflation has been ridiculous and, and everything. You know, you used to be able to go at a restaurant and, you know, now how much more are we spending? You know, even McDonald's is more expensive. You know, you go to the yeah. supermarket and where a hundred dollars, you could fill your cart a hundred dollars. You can't even, you know, everything has gotten more expensive. So what I think Dr. Lampert was referring to is there's a lot of people that are capitalizing on or being more opportunistic of say other factors that are happening at the same time, the prices of Habano cigars, how the Cohibas and the Trinidad's have tripled, literally overnight. And if people are willing to spend that kind of money for that, some manufacturers are going, well, if they're willing to spend $100 a stick for that, 
there's nothing that says my stick is not as good as that stick, if not better, you know, for the same money. So they're not going to go to 100 from, say, 10, but they will incrementally start raising it and raising it. And that's what's happening. And what people do is whatever the market will bear. But there are people that also that, you know, look, if you make a cigar more expensive, you know, for factors that are not related to costs and everything else involved, that means, okay, you may make more profit, but less people are going to are going to smoke that cigar because instead of buying two sticks, they might buy one. Right. So ultimately, are you making more money? So you just have to figure out what your niche is, where you want to be at. And, uh, you know, I don't think he's wrong in doing that, you know. Yeah, it almost seems to me, and I don't know if this actually could happen or not, but if you had a $12 cigar and you say, I don't care as long as I make some sort of a profit, it is going to stay a $12 cigar. And eventually every other cigar, or at least the cigars that are in your, that you're competing with, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, the current $12 cigar. If all those other $12 cigars go to $25, but you keep yours at $12, then does that kind of look almost like you're not as good of a blend or not as good of a cigar as the cigars that went up to $25? And I'm kind of trying to make that comparison to like the, the dollar bin and stuff like that. Well, unfortunately, that's very true. You know, if your cigar is $12, the other cigar was $12 and every other cigar in your little arena has doubled their prices and you stayed at the $12 mark. Unfortunately, people, you know, equate incorrectly, you know, the price value versus what you're buying. And, and it's happened to me as well. You know, like there is, there are retailers that sell my cigars for way more than the suggested retail value and do better at it. And I go, Oh my God, you're selling the stick for $25. It's a $14 cigar. And they're like, Nick, we made it $20 and we sold twice as many. And wow. who might it? I'm like, okay, you know, it, it, whatever the retailer wants to do, I don't care what they sell it for. Now, overseas, it's a different story. Most countries have fixed prices, fixed mm -hmm. margins, and it's the same price. It's price fixing. The U.S. is a different market. The rest of the world, you know, which is illegal in this country, price fixing is an illegal thing to do. Uh, overseas, it's the standard. And it's hard for an American to understand that concept, but that's how they do it. So, yeah, you know, here, the more expensive, sometimes, look, there's cigars that are coming out at crazy prices, in my opinion, and they're selling because they're crazy prices. Are there less people that are buying it? Yes. But if that person was only selling X amount of cigars and he just doubled his prices and he's selling 20% less, but he's making 60% more in profit, is he in a better position? You know, so it, sure. it, it's up to the manufacturer to figure it out, the retailer to figure out and the market. The, the At the end of the day, the the end user, the consumer, the smoker is going to dictate what cigar makes it versus the price that is being paid for that cigar. Because, oh, this cigar is exceptionally good. And I know it's maybe five dollars more than it should be, or, or I wish it was five dollars less. But because I love it so much, I'm willing to pay that five dollars more. So that's what it comes down to. Nice. Well, Nick, it's getting to be about that time, and I, I do appreciate you coming on, hanging out to me. Uh, you're you're the wealth of knowledge to uh, my little bubble. Uh, so, well, for and, you, anyway. and yeah, and <laughs> James wasn't here, so it would have been a real bad episode if I talked uh, all by myself. I don't even I, I don't even know what I would do. 
I was going to let you do it by yourself. Yeah. That would have been interesting. <laughs> I was, I I was kind it. of preparing myself just a little bit. No, I wouldn't have do that to you. Yeah. I'm here, man. I'm here. I'm part of the team. I appreciate it. All right. So we got uh, the PCA trade show coming up. Uh, look forward to a lot of great content coming out from that. And then May 11th is the My Old Kentucky Herf. James will be there. I don't know if anybody else is going to from the Simply Stogies crew. We'll find out. Uh, but that's all I got. So until then, gosh, I like it when James is here just for this reason, because now I have to say, stay smoky. No, no, you have to come with your own line. Oh, man. don't. No, that's what, what, his give me, line. give me you a line. Come up, you got, you got, no, no, I'm not going to. Somebody's already. You got to have your own. You got to come up with something different. You can't say stay smoky. That's his thing. Uh, I'm going to have to think about it. Oh, well. Think about it for the next one. There all you right. go. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Take Nick. Take care, everyone.